Please remain standing for the reading of God's Word. Today's reading comes from John chapter 14, verses 1 through 7. Let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and I will take you to myself, that where I, that where I am you may be also, and you know the way to where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we do not know where you are, where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would have known my Father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. This is God's word. Amen. 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 Family, will you pray with me? Lord, we are so thankful for your grace upon us. We're so thankful for what you are doing. We're so thankful, Father, for your care for us. Lord, you are guiding us during this time, and we are excited, excited to experience you. Lead us, remove me, that your congregation might experience you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. How would you feel if you had one incident, one act, and it followed you for the rest of your life? I mean, imagine if you had a friend, right, a friend named Tina, and as she was getting on the stage, she tripped. And every time somebody mentions Tina's name, they say, yeah, that Tina, she's a trip. I mean, imagine if you had a brother named Perry and he got into an argument with his friend and he he pushes his friend. And from now on, that brother's referred to as pushing Perry. I mean, one act, one act could follow you forever. Who am I? My name's Thomas. But you may know me as Doubting Thomas. And while there was an incident that I experienced with Jesus, when I had been walking with Jesus, I saw him experience such pain that I got to a point where even though the disciples were telling me that they saw him, I needed to see it for myself and not just see it. I needed to test it out. Yeah, that was one of my lowest moments. That was a moment where my fear overcame me and my belief was pretty low and Quite honestly, I wish I could get that moment back. But that's not the way that the Bible describes me in full. Don't just let that one snippet describe my entire being. If you were to jump to, to John 11, you would see that when Lazarus had died and Jesus had said, let's go to where he is, I was the one that said, let's go and die with him. I was down with Jesus. I followed Jesus. I was one of his disciples, and I would have died with Jesus. So some some weird stuff started happening as I was able to walk with Jesus. In chapter 13, Jesus does something crazy, and he, as our teacher and our Lord, sits us down, and he washes our feet. We're the servants. He washes our feet. 
And then he gives us this new commandment and he says, contrary to the way society works, which is I'm in charge, get mine. He says, no, I want you to love one another just as he had loved us. So then Pete, we called him Pete. Y'all know him as Peter. Peter, he had this, he had this situation, this interaction with Jesus. Now, Peter is one of those impulsive dudes. You got one. The friend that we all joking and then he take the joke a little too far. The, the friend that you're thankful, he pushes you to that point where you laugh so hard that you get hoarse. But he's also that guy that'll, that'll get into an argument with a police officer. The guy who, who is, who's like scary. I mean, his impulsiveness, you just don't know what to expect. And, and Peter is sitting and has this interaction with Jesus. And he asked Jesus, where he was going. And Jesus responds that you're not going to be able to go where I'm going at this time. And Jesus and Pete have this conversation back and forth. And before we know it, Jesus says something to Pete that shocked us. He says, Pete, before the rooster crows three times, you're going to deny me. Pete down for whatever Pete is going to deny Jesus? We went back as a crew. We started talking. Wait a minute. What is ahead of us that we are about to experience that would bring even Peter to the point of denying Jesus? Not once, not twice, but three times. Deny Jesus What is lying ahead? So that's why Jesus comes with these words. He recognizes the state of his disciples, those that are following him. And that's that's all we do as disciples. We follow our leader. And he comes and he says in verse one of 14, let not your hearts be troubled. Do you see why we were troubled? (laughs) Do you see why we were troubled? We were trying to dream of all the different tribulations and trials and drama that was going to come. And we were worried, scared, doubting. We were troubled. But may I ask you, what in this life troubles you? Nothing's new under the sun. What you deal with, we dealt with. Might some things trouble you like the state of your marriage now. And you know what God is calling you to, but you're worried of the journey it's going to take to get there and you are troubled. Maybe you're in the midst of a new venture, a new opportunity, a new business. And there's a lot of uncertainty, and you're troubled by it. Maybe you're in the midst of a congregation that's trying to, trying to unify race, black, white, 
Asian, rich, non-rich, educated, non-educated. And there's a lot of drama in the midst of all of that. And you're trying to say, I know where you want us to get, but I'm troubled of how we're going to get there. See, I don't know the trouble that you face. You know the trouble that we faced. We worried of what was going to come as a cost for following Jesus. But then he gives us some words. He gives us three words. Three words that seem to calm us in the midst of our trouble. He says, believe in God. Believe in God. This, this, this concept of a belief, he wanted us to take belief and allow it to rise above our troubles. He wanted us to take our trust in what we had seen all of this time and allow our trust to rise above our trouble. We have children in the room and children, I have a question for you. How, can you tell me how many teeth you have? Yeah, they're like, uh, I lost these two, carry the one, add this one. Yep. <laughs> children, can you tell me uh, three things that are really tough to chew? Grace? Apples, caramel, and taffy. I'll give you two. Apples are kind of tough to chew. Uh, um, Isaiah? I mean, I'm sorry. Um, Micah? All right. Next? Charlotte? Candy? Yeah. Go ahead, buddy. Ice? Yeah. Yeah. Let me ask you guys this question. When you have something that is tough to chew... Do you ever look at your teeth or talk to your teeth and say, all right, teeth, I got to get you ready for this one. I'm not sure if you're going to be able to handle it, but we're going to go chew chew the taffy. No, no matter how difficult the thing is that you're going to chew, you trust that your teeth will be able to handle it. You see, God is saying, you somehow right now, Jesus is talking to him, you're allowing your troubles to rise up above your belief. No, trust in me, believe in me. And in that, you know, I got you. So the trouble you're experiencing, you can find a calmness in it because you know ultimately that I got you. But then Jesus shifts things a little bit because he says that he wants us to believe in in God. And also in doing that, we're believing in him. But he shifts things a little bit. And can I be real for a second? He's always kind of dropping some knowledge on us that we don't always get in the moment. And we like, Jesus, you deep, but can you bring it down to our level sometime? And uh, this time, he, I thought he made it plain for me. So I'm like, cool, I got this one. He said in verse two, he says, in my father's house are many rooms. And if it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and will take you to myself. And that where I am, you may be also. 
So this this scripture is a scripture that many within our community and many throughout time take and use it as one to say someday I'm going to get my heavenly mansion. Because even though in the ESV, the Bible that we use most often, you see in verse two, it says, I go to prepare a place for you. Many other Bibles say, I go to prepare a mansion for you. And that's because the Latin root mansiones is what the King James Version used to to translate that word. And so the, the, the closest word to that in the English language, language was mansions. Now, when you think of a mansion and I think of a mansion, we think of something that's opulent, something that's uh, beautiful, gaudy even, it's very nice. And, and finally, you've arrived because you get to be in the mansion. But does that seem consistent with with, with, with Christ's end goal for you? That I'm going to have you go through all this just so you can really get fancy once you die. No. You see, what, 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 what this place is, it's a place of rest. It is a place of peace. It is a place that has no trials. It is a place where you can dwell. It is really referring to a dwelling place. I'm preparing a place for you where you can abide in me. So if there's no pain, if there's no drama, if there's no trouble, now you can truly rest. And that is what I'm preparing for you. Another experience different than what you are going through now. And this got us excited because you just said P-Dog was going to go crazy and deny you. We're about to go through some trouble and you're telling us you're preparing a place for us of rest. So I'm excited. Where are we going? Let's go. Take me to the house. Where's my room? I'm ready because I want to abide. I want to rest. You know what we've been going through? We've been nomads, rolling around, following you, helping you, seeing you do miraculous things. But people don't always like us. We've been we've been facing some trials and now we get to go to a place of rest. So we got excited. I got excited. But then Jesus complicated it. I thought this was a straightforward one. I thought you tell me what the place is. I got it. I hear you. You just responded to my trouble. And now I'm ready to move forward. Then he says in verse five. Thomas. Lord, excuse me. Make sure I'm getting my verses right. No, let me get verse four. He says in verse four, and you know the way to where I am going. You know the way to where I am going. Now, I don't know about you all, but I thought he just described a place that we were going to experience that was a place of rest, a place of peace, a place where we could abide, a place where we could dwell. And now he's saying we know where it is. 
You confused? I was confused. I looked around at the brothers, and everybody was shaking their head like, I ain't going to say it. You got, you got to say it. I ain't going to say it. <laughs> so I stepped up, and I said, Jesus, we do not know where you are going. How can we know the way? It's your place. You just described it. And then Jesus, he got that face, that face of a, of a father looking at his son, that face of a mother when she's ready to communicate something serious, that face of, okay, now, let me tell you something. He said, I am. He said, I am. These two words. That seems small if you're just breezing through the Bible. But these two words that spoke volumes to us in only two words. Because not only was he simply starting a sentence, he was making a statement that first you need to be reminded of who I am. I am the one who started time. That means I existed before it. I am the one who created all things. I am the one who is all-seeing, all-knowing, all-existing. If there was something that you could imagine was a starting point, I was before it. If somehow you think that you've lasted long and things will last forever, I will last past it. I am the one who, who you think of as a gentle whisper, but also as a mighty fire. I am. And so he connected to us in two words, ah, a, a tapestry of all of the gospel where we had saw in that moment that everything that we had understood prior was hinging simply on two words. The I am. And then he said to us, I am the way. Now that statement of I am is serious. That statement of I am, it'll get you killed. Okay? Because in, in John chapter 8, he's, he's hanging out talking to some Jews and, and he says, truly I say unto you, before Abraham was, I am. And they were ready to kill him. Because that's a claim that only God can make. That's a claim that is set apart for one and one only. And as humans, we know that to a little degree. We, we can kind of get it. I mean, if, 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 uh, if Darcy's daughter comes in here, if Charlotte comes in here and Charlotte says, hey, has anyone seen my mom? And all of a sudden, Hannah says, here I am. We, 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 got, we got a problem. Because the title of mom from that individual is reserved for one. You see, the title of God, the I am, is reserved for one and one only. And Jesus is letting us know that it's his title. That it's his title. And so he says, I am the way. 
And so it began to click for us. It began to click for us that that what I was expecting was directions to a town that had a house in it. What I was expecting was was an actual road that we was going to follow. And let's just go to our location. I was thinking of a journey. But Jesus was not calling us to a house. He was calling us to himself. He says, I am the way. Not because I'm going to show you a route only because I am also the destination. And it is my desire that you would not simply look for the steps to getting there, but you would desire most to do life with me and experience a relationship with me. I am the way. In him we get to abide. In him we get to rest. In him we get to dwell. He was saying that he was the way. He was saying that he's the truth. Have you ever played a, a game of Scuttlecads? You've never, never played Scuttlecads? That, that must be something we play in our area. You guys call it, I think, Jenga? Jenga, maybe? It's where you start with something and you build upon it. You build upon it. What's the, what's the, (laughs) first generation games, y'all get hit. All right. So, so what's the most important layer of Jenga? The base layer. You see, by him letting us know he was the truth. He's saying all truth stems from the I am. All truth is built up upon who I am. And if you don't properly have me set as your foundation, anything can become your truth. Any way can become your truth. You see, I am not, I am not a truth. I am the truth, the foundation of all that exists. I am the way. I am the truth. And what truth is, is he offering us? He was, he was hanging out with some Jews again, and it, it flashed our memories back to, to chapter 8, where he's talking with the Jews And these Jews believed in him. And he said, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Set you free. So do you want to know truth? Do you want to know truth? Not about truth. Because we can know a lot of information, even a lot of information about Jesus. We don't want you to know of truth. We don't want you to know of truth in that you went to church with your grandma and them. You know about Friday youth study and you come to youth group and you hang out and you have fun games and all these things. We don't want you to simply be present and know of truth. We want you to know it deeply for yourself. Do you see the difference? And some of us have been, been, been blessed to be, to be freed from the shackles of sin. 
This truth has, has freed us up from, from the slavery of being in sin. And that's the truth we want you to experience. But some of us also need to keep growing in our understanding and in our love of truth. Jesus is saying, I am truth. Is he, are you loving him more and more? Are you growing in who he is as truth? Or did that kind of plateau after you got saved? He's our truth. And then he says, he's the life. He is the life. Not a life. He is the life. You all do something beautiful in this church around the holidays, around Christmas. Around Christmas, you guys will sing joy to the world because of who Jesus is. And you'll each give out candles and each have a candle in the ceremony. Y'all are kind of crazy. You even give kids a candle. And then what you do, (laughs) you'll have a candle up here that represents Christ. You'll bring it out. And that candle will start this whole church to be set afire. That candle will allow everybody to have their candle lit from the one. It's a beautiful imagery of this concept of Jesus being the life. That all life extends from who he is. All life comes from this one life that was willing to die on our behalf. This one life has set us all free from being slaves to sin. This life has allowed us to experience a restoration in Christ. Jesus saying, I am God. The one that sustains all things. And he's saying, I am the life. In chapter 10, he had, he had given a, a, a promise. He says, because I live, you will also live. Excuse me, in chapter 14, he says that. But in chapter 10, he says this. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. He says, but I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. He comes to offer abundant life. If whatever your idea of of your abundant life, if it's not rooted in the life, the most important life, you've been sold a lie. But notice something. This last thing he leaves, and it's not... It's not the most popular in this era. And for us, it would, it, would, it would even get you killed. But notice the last sentence he says. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my father also. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. So first, that, 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 that hurt. I mean, here we are following Jesus. But even though it hurt, it exposed us. Because while we believed in Jesus, while we trusted Jesus, Jesus knew our hearts. He knew that there were still yet aspects of who we were that needed to 
fully buy in, that needed to fully say, okay, Jesus, all, okay, get us to a point where maybe in the midst of trouble, we wouldn't deny him. Maybe we thought a little bit higher of ourselves than we than we should have. Maybe when Jesus tells us something's going to happen and we say, no, Jesus, I'll never do that. <laughs> Maybe we should have been listening to the I am and said, man, if he said that, how do I rid myself of this that would cause me to, to do what he's saying? Instead, at times we thought we knew better than he. But it came, it came to pass that everything he said, everything he said played out just as he described. Even Pete. But the beauty of what he was saying in this last statement was that we know the Father because we knew him. The exact expression of God and himself was standing right before us teaching us. If you have any concept or any dream or any worry about who is God, he was manifested in the presence of Jesus that was right next to us. So we were learning right then and there that the I am that has always been is now present with us. And that, that that I am is not one of many choices. If you go back and you look at his words, he says, I am the way, the life, excuse me, the way, the truth, the life. Praise him, y'all learning. Amen. <laughs> not a way. Do you see why it's unpopular for you? Even in the beginning of this verse, he says, believe in God. You can go to work today and say, believe in God. You can put on the side of your car, believe in God. Somebody can invite you to even an event, a public event. And if you say, believe in God, people will say, okay. But now when you say, Jesus. Jesus is the representation of the Father. Jesus is the one you have to also believe in when you are saying you're believing in God. Jesus is not a way. He is the only way, the only truth, the only life. When you say that, you enter into my world. You enter into the opportunity for persecution. You enter enter into the opportunity for trouble. But be comforted that God is with you. I'm still trying to wrestle with something that I I can't fully get. I mean, if Jesus will forgive you, even if you deny him, if he provides faith and peace when your heart is troubled, if he prepares a place for you to rest where you can abide in him, if he is God and he has always existed, if he is the truth that serves as the foundation for all truth, if he's set you free from slavery and sin and is the revelation of God on earth, then tell me, why would you be foolish enough to think that there's another way to God? 
If all of that is true, don't miss out in thinking that there might be another way. Notice here that he says believing in him allows you to believe in and be connected to the Father. If you are not connected to Christ and the Father, don't let today be a day where you continue disconnected. Receive Christ today. Will you pray with me? Lord, we all have the opportunity to face trouble. We also have the opportunity to dodge trouble. But Lord, we want to be a people who are willing to walk with you and allow our trust in you to not dictate our actions. We don't want to let our trust in you, uh, excuse me, we want our trust in you to lead us, but we don't want it to, 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 we don't want our fears, our worries, our doubts to take over our trust in you. So guide us, Father. Guide us to you where we get to experience you today and abide in you and dwell in you. But Lord, we would get to experience that for eternity someday. We're thankful. We are thankful, Lord, that you are the way, the truth, and the life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.